welcome back to Rate That Album, a back-and-forth album review between myself, Joe Fremming, and my good friend, Paul Muad'Dib. Paul, how you doing? Hey, Joe. I am doing well. I'm in good spirits today. Um, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm still kind of... I had, like, uh, a weird reaction to the the COVID vaccine. Oh, you did? Talk to me yeah. about that. Uh, uh, just, like, uh, two days after I got it, I just kind of got, like, really sick for two two days like i got shot on tuesday then thursday friday i just it just hit me so but it wasn't that bad i'm just kind of getting through the 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 weeds on that right now mm-hmm. but, would you would you call it like an equivalent of like like when you get kind of sickly from the flu shot is it kind of like that it's a little more intense mm-hmm. uh some people don't get it uh, i've had uh i got it one of my employees she told me that uh she was feeling like that too so I, I mean it you know it was obviously not as bad as actually covid it was like just like a really bad uh really bad cold for mm-hmm. me. so but i was just like foggy brained for a few days so well i'm glad I, you're coming through it i'm glad you got the vaccine i am too i got the pfizer one so I don't okay cool yep so yep shot number two is coming in a couple of weeks and Hey, we're almost through Voldemort, man. We are almost through. A little. I guess we don't know the future. Yeah, we don't know the future, but unless you're, you know, unless you're in Texas or Florida, you know, um, then you know you're you're kind of fucked. You might as well just make your own country. Like I think that's the plan to succeed from the uh, QAnon. They're just gonna make it like a like a new leper colony. Like we all have COVID. Stay away from us. (laughs) Good riddance to bad trash, I say. (laughs) Right, right, right. Oh, Christ. So, Paul, in one more hour, we will be gone. <laughs> let's discuss uh, this week's album. Please. Yes, let's do that. All right. So uh, I decided we need to get out of the the, bo- the bong fog that is uh, 70s prog rock. Mm-hmm. We did back-to-back with Pink Floyd and Genesis. Uh so I figured uh, let's go let's do a little bit of a second generation riot girl and I picked uh, Sleater Kenny's 1997 album Dig Me Out. Mm. All, uh, before I kind of go, there's not like a huge history, but uh, there are some things I'm going to touch on. Uh, what is your uh, what do you know about Sleater Kenny? So I know a little bit. Like I said, I hung out with some riot girls um, after we graduated from high school. I was like their guy on the couch for a while. And as a matter of fact, we all took a road trip to um, uh, uh, a festival out in um, Oregon together and actually ended up stopping and getting pictures taken at the Sleater-Kinney um, uh, sign marker. Um, so I know a little bit about them in that regards, but, you know, I didn't get a lot of history from those girls in terms of, like, what Slater Kinney was. I just knew of it, like, because they all let us know a lot of um, Bikini Kill, Slater Kinney, um, Kim Deal and her bands, um, things of that nature. So, yeah, that's that's all I really know. Well, uh, Slater Kinney, uh, yeah, the members, uh, at least two of them were kind of part of that first generation, right? Girl with Bikini Kill. Uh, the, the, that would be uh, Carrie Brownstein and uh, Corin, Corin Tucker. Uh, and by 97, they, uh, you know, they're doing their own thing. And, uh, what's, what happens with this album is a, a few things. One, 
they get uh, finally land a drummer that's kind of more permanent. Uh, punk bands are like infamous for the merry-go-round of having different drummers. Uh, these these ladies landed one of the best drummers in the industry, I would say, and that'd be Janet Wise. Uh, she is from an indie band called Quasi. And if you haven't heard that album, if you haven't heard the album Hot Shit, uh, check it out. It's really good. So it's kind of like this album kind of blended. They kind of start gelling a little bit more on this. Uh, it's a it's a album about breakups and heartache. Uh, you're a fan of Fleetwood Mac, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, so dating a member of the band usually create sometimes leads to like pretty great works of art, even though it's probably awkward as fuck <laughs> for the members of the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corin Tucker and Carrie Brownstein were a couple, uh, and they broke up. And a lot of the lyrics for this album is about that and Corin Tucker's uh, relationship with her future husband uh, Lance Bangs. He's a, a director. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, before this album comes out, we're going to touch a little bit on what not to do in journalism. Oh, okay. Before this album comes out, uh, Carrie Brownstein and Corin Tucker are interviewed by Spin. Spin writes an article about them being, uh, a couple before Carrie Brownstein had even come out to a lot of her family. <laughs> oh shit yeah, yeah. that's a big no no you don't out people no and uh you know and especially and this is kind of like when you think about it especially like 96 97 the world is not as accepting to the lgbtq community as they are now and even mm-hmm. now it's super tough <laughs> mm-hmm. so that kind of uh adds to the the dynamic here so they end up recording this album and uh it really like you know sonically i think it gels they're like they become a much more better musical unit and janet wise would stay with the band until uh about 2019 she leaves uh you know creative differences but here we are I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm I'm going to kick this out a little bit of a rabbit hole. Wasn't she also the drummer for um, Steve Malkmus? I think so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. She's that's like okay. really in tune with like the indie rock world. Okay. Yeah. I seem to remember that she because I love. I just going to say I love that album, Real Emotional Trash, by him. Um, and I want to say she was the drummer on that album, but I could be completely off. But I know she did some drumming for him. Yeah. I mean, she's, and that's one of the things. Uh, this album as uh going back and reviewing it for this the drumming really stands out to me Mm -hmm. very (laughs) much it's like it's almost like you know because it's a very punky album it feels like very oh this drumming is too good (laughs) at times for this you know very raw but it's very precision it works it's just like you know it's it's just kind of shocking at first i think Mm -hmm. and I also want to say, like, this was one of the albums. There's three albums when I was going through my divorce that got me through it, and this is one of them. And I think it's because, it be, not think, I know it's because of the, the lyrical content in this. I think it's, uh, you know, breakups suck. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I couldn't, at least, you know, at least I didn't have to be in a band with my significant, <laughs> significant other, like, uh, these ladies <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's there's something. I mean, that's something. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Paul, let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about this album. What has what works for you with uh, "Dig Me Out"? So, there's a lot that works for me, but again, there's the thing that I don't like about any type of punk that also falls into the traps here, which is there are some like more. I want to make it very clear more than not. There are some great standout songs, but there are parts of this album where I've listened to it about five times. And when it gets these certain sections of it, I just, I kind of drawn out because I feel like I'm hearing the same thing. And that's just, that's me with any punk album. And I love punk. Don't get me wrong. But I think that's part of why I think I love certain punk tracks because they stand out more. And I go, that's going on a playlist. That's an awesome punk song. That's an awesome punk song. That's just my my relationship with punk. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, this album, there's there's songs where I'm just like, eh. It's, you know, this is not like a timeless uh, greatest album. Uh, it's It just has, it has a lot of strong material on it. It's just when it gets to the, you know, it just sounds formulaic. Mm-hmm. And that's just you know that's going to be issue with like any music you listen to I think uh, it's punk is especially falls into that I think easily because it's three chords and attitude which is you know that mentality at least when it was formulated so uh, it's kind of hard to break out of it and the ones that do break out uh, I love a lot uh, and I the one the one that really stands out for me. Uh, musically would be like heart factory mm-hmm. that's on my list of great songs on this album to me yeah that is like it stands out like uh just musically uh it's it's so strong and <laughs> i was like read so i'm you know i'm reading up on it they're recording this album during a blizzard in seattle and like they're the studio is like ice cold and freezing and <laughs> If you listen closely, I guess, like, uh, Janet Wise was using part of the radiator as her drum kit because <laughs> it was it was broken. So oh, wow, really? Yeah, she's adding that to her, like, flourishes, I guess. That, that's interesting. I had no I, I, I guess I didn't know anything about the making of this, anything like that. So that's interesting to me. And I get, I, I, you know, it's funny how some of these, like you hear these horror stories, like we talked about it with some of the other stuff in the, in, in the studios and when they're trying to make the music and they come out with some great stuff. Yeah. Another thing that I found out that kind of, this was recorded in eight days. No way. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah. It's, well, you know, you and I, like, we love those. We love our prog rock. Paul and I do. And those typically take such a long time to record. Okay, some some people may hate this. You you know, but you you hear about the stories of like fucking um, Coconut Pete writing songs uh, uh, on the crapper about Margaritaville. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't get those references, there's a couple jokes in there, guys. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's you know so. For me, okay, so the songs that stand out for me, Heart Factory, mm-hmm. I really like One More Hour. Uh, that's a song that's explicitly about <laughs> Gary Brownstein uh, that they've actually admitted. Uh, Little Babies, 
and buy her candy are like my uh, tracks. Yeah, you have me. I, I have one more hour. Um, turn it on. Um, Heart Factory, Little Babies are right there on mine. I do like the title track, Dig Me Out. I think it's a great starter to an album. I do like Buy Her Candy. I think that's another stand. It's not quite punky, but to me, it, it's one of those tracks that stands out on this. Um, and then it ends strong with Things You Say and you know Jenny. Now, a four-minute punk song is kind of pushing it. But it's got its moments. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is this is where they kind of like. <clears throat> this is kind of like a weird hybrid. Like, so when you think of like Riot Girl, you really think of like punk. And I think like with Sleater Kenny, like especially with this album, they start they they're starting to get into more uh, a hybrid of punk and indie rock. So like mm-hmm. the songs are getting a little longer, and they're like not as you know they're a little more. Uh, more attention, I think, is being paid to the musicianship, mm-hmm. and I think that after, especially with the albums after this, it, it's uh, even more apparent. But yeah. yeah, but then there are songs that I just don't care. <laughs> let's, yes. let's talk about the stuff that uh, doesn't doesn't really work for me. Uh, Dance song ninety seven. No, like, I could just throw that in the trash. That I just, yep. And I'll say like that 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 blip there between Heart Factory and Little Babies. It goes Heart Factory, words of guitar, it's enough. I that's the part that I've been zoning out on every time. I've listened to this thing four times. Those songs come on, I'm just like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I like you know, I like the lyrics to words and guitar. I think if they placed it somewhere else on the album, it might, might have stood yeah. out a little bit more. Right. Right, but the bleed, but but kind of the you know the the transition from words of guitar into it's enough, is is just you know uh, not uh, not what you want. I, I'm sure there's a lot of angst in that one, knowing what the album's about, but it's just not one that stood out to me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, as I said, the majority for me is better. What else didn't you like? Is there, or are we kind of on the same page there? I think I'm on the same page. Like I I like words and guitar a little bit more okay maybe you did but i just i think it's just kind of like you know i think it's just a sequencing thing like mm-hmm. if it would have came on you know like after one of the more punkier songs instead of being bled into by a really good song like heart factory i think i might have liked it a little bit more yeah and i think i think you nailed something on this i think there could have been some better spacing in here to really, I mean, because again, the standouts are are better than what it was. I think if you had, had gone, you know, like I think there are some of these that I think considered now would probably, I think even they would admit they're kind of filler songs. I think if you had done standout filler, standout filler, because there's enough here to do that. And these songs are not overly long. Uh, I mean, again, the longest one being the four minute punk song, which no one should do, <laughs> 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 unless you're the me first and the gimme gimme's. Yeah. Well, uh, the Clash got away with it. They did, but were they really doing punk either? Like that's a that's a debate among some punksters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't give a shit. Like the worst, <laughs> here's the thing. I <laughs> let me go on a little rant here. There's nothing more obnoxious to me than like dis- describing what punk is because it's always like a sticking point. Like people have like their idea. Like punk should should not be more than three chords. Like. That's when I bullshit. hear that, I just want to kick somebody in the dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you, know, you know, 
they talk about you know, I want to get on that a little bit with you. Do you know that some people consider like both like we talked about with Lou Reed, but there are people who consider Lindsay Buckingham punk. And that's fine. Like, you know, the definition of punk to me, like was more of an attitude. Yeah, it's an attitude and, like, and going against and the norms, right? Going against the norms. Yeah. So if Lindsey Buckingham did an album, like I, I'm not too familiar with his uh, his solo work, oh. so I, I can't speak to that. But if he did something that goes against the norms and it was like on his own or whatever, yeah, that is like you know, like for me, I always like said like Johnny Cash is one of the best punk artists there is because he just did his thing and he didn't give two fucks. Um, and that's, you know, and that's, it's less about like what his albums were. Like you can't consider it punky. It was the playing style. People are like, this guy's punk because he's not playing by the norms. He's not doing things. I'm so glad you brought this up because I also do have some of an issue with that. Now, again, when I say, you know, doing punk, I don't want to hear a four minute sex pistol song. I really don't. I don't. Well, I, don't I don't. I don't even want to hear a sex pistol song. In general, so. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's my take on that. Is that I don't want, I don't want that, right? Wow. So I you listen kinda, to television because they have like eight minutes long song, punk songs. Oh God! Um, we'll do Marquee Moon at some point. Okay, well we'll do that, and yeah, I I have just this kind of idea that of what it, you know, of but yeah, it should be whatever you want it to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think these, there are these people that really got into it, but then again, in our hometown, we had punks running around with Confederate flags. So I also didn't give a lot of credence to a lot of the punks we hung out with, hung out with. Yeah, no, uh, they were mostly just all about the image, which was always baffled me. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's with a lot of punk though. Uh, people are catering to a style over the substance. So you'd see, you see, like you know, the the nineties, late nineties had like such a bad division. It was like mall punks and like against real punks, and you had the gutter, you know, like. And man, don't forget the pop. Did not give a fuck about it. Don't forget the absolute hatred of anything pop punk. Yeah, and my eyes just glaze over when mm-hmm. people like, well, that's not this, and that's not like I don't. You know, like, I feel like Charlie from It's Always Say, like, I don't care. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like, right. If, you know, if somebody in the mall wearing a Hurley hat who listens to Blake 182 wants to identify as punk, fuck, I don't care, man. Like, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. their that's their thing. I may not agree with it, but, you know, you know, I think it got and it also like in the once, you know, it, it also got very corporatized. I think it's an unspoken thing with punk that when it got corporatized, they don't like talking about that. But if you look at the band's warp tour, where a giant shoe conglomerate sponsored a, a giant festival to you know sell advertising, like you're not fucking Joe Strummer or John Lydon anymore. No, no. I mean, and when you look at, you know, again, I also, I'm so, again, another thing I'm really glad you brought up. It's the same thing to me, like when people went to the new Woodstock, it's like, that's fuck off. <laughs> and even the original Woodstock, that was pretty commercialized. Come on. Yeah, even that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even talk. And if you, uh, if you ever read up into the actual Woodstock movie, they cut out all like the cultural politics at the time, which really just kind of washes over what that concert was about. Like yeah. a lot of like uh, organizers, not the people who put it on, but like Abby Hoffman and 
Black Panthers and White Panthers and like all these counterculture groups. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think that's crazy that that's lost on on history that it was a counterculture event, and then you had the new one, and it was just like you know people were charging ten dollars for bottled water, and you're going fuck off. You've yeah. lost the you've lost the plot, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of glad it burned to the ground. <laughs> kind of like uh, kind of like fire <laughs> festival to the music of Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most Limp Biscuit thing to ever Limp Biscuit. They are they to me are like the Sean Beam um, character of music. Just everything they touch dies. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's definitely some indie here. There's definitely some punk here. You know, yeah, this. I'm glad you said this is second generation Riot Girl. Um, you know, which is there's something else I wanted to bring up and listen to this album that made me think about this was if you remember in, in, in the last like couple months, I think of of this recording, um, Phoebe Bridger had been on Sinai Live and got lambasted for smashing a guitar um, on stage, and there was this big like re, like this big reverberance of. Why, you know, it, because it was a woman, how dare she smash that guitar? First of all, even she admitted it was an $80 Dan Electro. Get the fuck off. And she called them and said, Are you, can I do this? And they're like, fuck yeah, you can do this. So um, she even called the people to be polite about it. So fuck off there. This is something that I think is missed. Like this is a genre that should have gotten more steam than it ever did. Yeah, I agree. And especially when... When you listen to this and you're like, like we talked about, because we're like the songs that we, we like are the ones that kind of branching out beyond the, uh, the typical punk sound. They're like branching out into like more indie rock here. And it should have, t- I, you know, I'm kind of surprised it wasn't embraced more by like uh, the hipster crowd. It's weird to me that like, I'm not going to lie. I didn't get into the, this band and probably until like probably like 10 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't listening to sleep. We, you and I were not listening to Slater Kenny in high school when this came out. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, again, I didn't catch it till probably I was about 21, 22, like yeah. a couple of years after he graduated. But I feel like this band and like this album should be like embraced just as much as like what, what I would equate like their uh, indie, you know, compatriots. Like when I think of like, the hold steady or my morning jacket, like all these bands that were like just blowing up when these, uh, this band was still around. It just weird. I'm just kind of surprised that like, uh, that never happened. And it was like, not until Carrie Brown scenes on Portlandia that people, I think more people started paying more attention to this band, which is like 30 years fucking later. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was there there was there was a big scene there, and I don't know what happened and why it didn't cultivate. Because I, I mean, one thing I want to say too about the voice, if I may, um, her voice is, is is very much, it's like a female Dead Kennedys. Yeah, Jello Biafra. <laughs> yeah, it no, it it does though. She has that like right away. I heard this. I'm like, oh, there's there's Steph. Like she's a Dead Kennedys fan. Like no question about it. She's. <laughs> She's a Dead Kennedys fan. My favorite Dead Kennedy songs, too, are the ones that don't sound like they're another band that's just like all their songs sound the same until they get to a holiday in Cambodia. <laughs> it's just it's just uh, it's just like the pitfalls of, of the genre. Yeah, it's 
there is that. And again, it's just part of that era, like kind of like what we talked about, like uh, going back to we talked about multiple times, like the band Death and how they had no blueprint at the time. And then the blueprint got parade created. And obviously, like the weird thing about punk was it should have gone off the, you know, it should have gone off the trails from the, its own blueprint multiple times. And anytime anyone did, the fan base was that's not punk. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I brought it up like the clash did that, uh, starting with like London calling. Uh, yep. Joe Strummer had a great quote about that. I'm just going to paraphrase it. He's like, we were never your toy to begin with, as mm-hmm. in, like, we're not yours. Uh, we don't belong to the the listeners, which is, like, a very liberating idea, especially for, like, a genre that it's hard to expand the sound on. A lot of bands oh. just don't. They just a don't. Lot. No. No, they don't. They don't. I mean, you know, Green Day got a lot of shit for the directions they went um for to the point now where no one even considers them a punk band anymore i'm sorry that's weird (laughs) they're a punk band they will always be a punk band yeah it you know it's a it's a limiting genre and like with this album i think they're expanding out and maybe that costs them some listeners maybe because there are like the standout tracks to me and i think to you aren't the like like the blueprinted punk songs right yeah the musicianship on the songs that we're taught you and I enjoy is fucking great. Like, you know, one more hour, you listen to those, the drums. I'm just like, Holy shit. (laughs) Like the riffs, they have fucking riffs on this album that are just like, you know, that's almost antithesis to what people expect from a punk album. I mean, there's, you know, and especially in the late nineties, there's so many shitty punk Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I probably saw months. more than our fair share at the local coffee shops in our hometown. Dude, I saw so many. I was in one. I was in a shitty punk band, dude. I was gonna say though, I did see one of my favorite uh, punk bands. Uh, it was like my buddy brought me to it. I don't know if you you were there or you saw it, but if you missed it, you missed out. It was it was a band called Amish Armada. Oh, I've seen Amish Armada. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was fucking phenomenal. They're just like Amish guys. Mm-hmm. They're like Misfits logo, but with like an Amish hat and a beard over. It was <laughs> it was great. Like when yeah. when that genre has a sense of humor, or if it's like branching out sonically, it's really cool. It's just, it gets so stagnant so easily. It does. That I will totally admit it does. Um, and that's just, again, the, the pitfall of it. And it, again, it just goes to show, you know, again, you lost what punk is supposed to be. I mean, again, um, <laughs> I mean, not many punk people would consider Lou Reed's <laughs> <laughs> Metal Machine music um, a punk album, yet it was the start of punk magazine. It was the first thing they fucking highlighted because that is the most punk thing you could fucking do. I mean, could you imagine like, you know, fucking Johnny Rotten rocking into a fucking studio head with just noise and going, fuck it. You're going to do it. No, he's not going to do that. They're a fucking boy band. <laughs> well, did he almost pretty much do that with public image limited? <laughs> well, fair, fair, fair. And I don't even like John Lydon. That guy's a fucking dick, but Anybody, but here, like in this, kind of rounding back to this album, we see them kind of branching out beyond that. And those are like, I think the tracks, you know, the albums that follow, it's just like they progress into like a stronger musical unit. 
uh, and it, they kind of like well they'll still have the punk mentality i think they just they become a lot lot better singer songwriters but this is kind of like uh the album where they start start doing that at least in my opinion i'm sure uh slater kenny fans might disagree but yeah and and maybe and i'm sure there was and i'm also sure there's fans that went this is where they stopped caring so much as well um you're always going to have that in albums like this where they start kind of going in different directions right and you know you and i fall into the same trappings right like we talked about our pink floyd baggage you know i'm sure people have some baggage on any album where a band started to kind of move in a direction that they weren't used to oh yeah uh one of the best examples from the mid 2000s i remember is when uh, modest mouse released uh good music Mm-hmm. people love bad and uh and i just remember like old modest mouse fans were just pissed because i got air radio play and i'm just like this album's really good though it's, yeah <laughs> they're, it's they're, they're, really good they're progressing as a band they're sounding a lot better and it's just like nope <laughs> and it's just I, like that's the gatekeepers of uh fucking scenes are just talking to them is probably the worst experiences of my life <laughs> You know, what's, what's it's never really, happy. What's really interesting with Modest Mouse is I actually saw them live once, and that's a band that's like the complete opposite. I prefer their studio than their live stuff because I think they do a lot more stuff and gimmicking and playing around in the in the studio than they can do live, and I noticed that right away. Yeah, well, I mean, I saw them live once, and they did like an eighteen minute version of Cowboy Dan, and that was pretty. pretty that's amazing. awesome. I didn't yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah. I was there with our mutual friend Kwong and he just looked at me and he said, you just went to Jupiter and back. And I was just like, what the <laughs> fuck did you just say to me? <laughs> I love him. <laughs> He's got the best <laughs> expressions. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, that mutual friend was in three, uh, no, four of my bands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah our mutual friend Kwong was in four of my bands. Um, you know, yeah, I think actually he sur- surpasses Scott. Um, and cause I think I was in three bands with Scott, four bands with Kwong and I was in five bands total. Yeah. Kwong turned me on to, he's the one who got me into like modest mouse and like, he's actually like the guy who kind of got me into like more indie rock, which led me to like bands like Slater Kenny. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think, I doubt he ever played them, but you know, like when I, you know, my early to mid twenties, I'm just, I'm discovering like, you know, the hold steady uh, lifter puller, that sort of thing. That's, you know, uh, he, he kind of put me in that direction. And that kind of like what got this band on my radar. He actually brought in um, built the spill was one of our, um, uh, was one we would do one of their songs um, every show. Um, and he introduced me to, like built and spill. It actually, I, I knew of modest mouse and listened to modest mouse um, you know, early on, even because again, when I was hanging out with these, riot girls they were listening to modest mouse because they liked that and um they were also listening to um connor oberburst and yeah i think the riot girl scene was especially like the women in that scene had much more diverse taste in music than mm-hmm. us dudes <laughs> yeah ap- oh, uh, yeah living like like basically like i said i lived on their couch and i learned more about music in that short amount of time like that two and a half years I lived on their couch. <laughs> You're Stephen Wright. <laughs> I was. I was Stephen Wright. Like, I, 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 I even had a key. I think at one point where I just let myself in and just go on the couch. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, I, I was that guy, and eventually they just got sick of it. So, you know, good for them. And, um, but yeah, no, they were in all that stuff. And but it wasn't until Kwong that I actually started playing Modest Mouse, and we did covers of Modest Mouse, and really getting into like, whoa, this, you know, for how you know just basic and whatever sound this is, there's some real technique here. Like this is some really really high technique music and it you know and it doesn't come off like that because they play it so seamlessly well and you know kind of wrap it back to this album like when i listen to a lot of the music you know the the music musicality on the songs we like on this album it's kind of like the same way like if i were to start a band i would probably throw one of these songs onto a cover list i would probably do like maybe one more hour or uh, heart factory it'd be weird if i sang little babies (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i think we should i think if we get to 200 you and i will do a cover of little babies (laughs) i will say though like uh so when i was going through my divorce i listened to the you know so i started listening to this album because you know it's a lot of heartbreak and like you know anger you know it sucks i remember listening to little babies and realizing like holy shit i've been that asshole in my life so this is like one of those tracks where i'm just kind of like it was a learning experience and very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'll, you know, I'll just admit it. Yeah, I've been that dickhole, and it's just like listening to that song and listening to the lyrics like helped me become a better person. I say. Well, you, you know, I mean, there's a lot of songs like that. Like I can kind of attribute to them. Like, wow, this really gave me perspective, and I think that's what good music is, right? It's whatever connects with you and gets you kind of through because there is a lot of prolific, even in this, even in punk, even in any shot, fuck, even in disco, there's some prolifics there where you go, wow, that's actually something I should really keep in mind. I've done that with lyrics my entire life. Yeah. Lyrics are, I like when they, I really like appreciate lyric, dark lyrics when they sneak it into like a very poppy song. It's one of the reasons I really love the Giants. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, but yeah, we've gone off the beaten path here with them. Um, but back to Slayer Kenny. Yeah, this was, you know, I, I do think that this album was kind of that transition and move. And I think also around this time that it came out, there was a shift in what was considered, quote, female music, right? Like, I think around this time, you started getting a lot of that, uh, the Tori Amos piano style music that was becoming very popular. Yeah, uh, I like some Tori Amos, but uh, yeah, around late nineties, like you know, it you know it 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 didn't do it for me. The Tori Amos's, the uh, Annie DeFranco's, like yeah, I'm just it's just not like my preferred style, I guess. But I appreciate what they were doing. Mm-hmm. If I had known about Slater Kitty at that time, I'd probably be listening to that and be like, yeah, let's listen to this instead, you know? <laughs> right, right. And yeah, I mean, and again, when I was when I was living in their house, I didn't have the guy on the couch. I didn't have say over what they're playing, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, overall, though, uh, uh, Joe, I mean, I I personally would recommend this album. That's that's me. I would. Even I love this album. Like yeah. like we said, there's you know that's the filler stuff that kind of just the eyes glaze over a bit. Uh, but I mean, and it's also very much an album of it's if it's time. We discussed that with the Genesis album. This you know this has a very like late '90s uh, sound to it. 
but I'd still, yeah, I love this album. But I mean, just for the the tracks that you and I discussed alone, I love the song. You know, "Dig Me Out" such a great intro. <laughs> it's you know, it's also like a good song about getting yourself out of like a shitty place where you're at in life. But yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's just, I think it's one of those albums that if you want to expand your musical horizons, give it a shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, get out of the comfort zone. It's one of the reasons I wanted to suggest this album because uh, we were really in dude territory. <laughs> we were in dude territory. And, you know, you you brought that up that, hey, we're in dude territory here and we need to. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. We are in dude territory. So I have my next two recommendations are going to be female led albums. Which is funny because, like, I am such a sucker for uh, women bands. Like, I just, I think it's just like the vocals and whatever. Just, I just lean heavy into that. So I'm surprised I didn't pick one before. But, you know, I had to get the Gilmer in there to get us Gilmer! Gilmer, you're ruining Floyd, Gilmer! Gilmer, <laughs> Gilmer! Stop ruining the shit, Gilmer! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think we both would recommend this album. Uh, again, there's just there's some dead weight, but I think that's just about any album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think. You know, everybody talks about the perfect album. Uh, it's almost non-existent, in my opinion, because every album I've listened to has a dud, yeah. of some sort on it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I completely agree. I, I, yeah, I completely agree. Um, and that's just what it is. I mean, when you get the albums, but overall, like I said, the the uh, the fact that I took a thirteen track album, um, I picked out all but and for me, um, one, uh, two, three, four, five, um, you know, uh, five tracks that I wasn't really you know was like okay, but they're not bad. They're yeah. not. No, they're not. They're not like awful songs. It's just that in comparison to those standout tracks. Hell, even some of the best. I mean, Michael Jackson's Thriller had filler songs on it, people. So oh, get God. over it. That song with Paul McCartney? God. Mm. <laughs> it's the only reason I will never listen to Thriller. That album's just... That song with Paul McCartney is just say, 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 or whatever. I, I just, nope. Nope. Yeah. Really? You Okay. <laughs> that one song. It takes Sometimes it just takes one song, man. For it me to just that. be like, nope, I'm done with this. Um, for me, that one song is every Bee Gees album. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, we're going to be doing a Bee Gees album. <laughs> Are you sure that was on Thriller? I don't think that was on Thriller. Think... Oh, yeah, it was The Girl Is Mine. That's right. Yeah. Not yeah, yeah, not Girl, Girl, Girl. The Girl Is Mine. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's sad that I know like the entire Thriller album. Um, but my buddy had it on vinyl, and we'd go down into his basement. It was like the only vinyl that they had. So <laughs> we had to listen to it over and over and over. That and they had the um the Moonwalker movie with Joe Pesci, but that's another story. Oh, Joe we did that for a Joe down. Fuck. <laughs> Christ. Christ, Christ, Christ. Yeah, yeah our, our I'm starting to realize we've done a lot of movies. <sighs> but yeah, we'd both recommend this album. Uh it's you know. I think it's a transitional album for the band, and uh, it's got such... Yeah, I don't think there's much else we can really say. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we went on tangents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went on tangents. Yeah. It's fine. 
yeah, uh, other than other than that, Joe, I can't think of anything else. Oh yeah, what am I picking next week, Joe? What am I picking next week? I don't know. You haven't told me. <laughs> oh, I haven't told you. Oh boy, that's We're a doing... chucklehead question right there, Paul. <laughs> Well, I'm going to give you a chucklehead album, you dick. We're going to do <laughs> we're going to do Amanda Lear's Sweet Revenge. Amanda Lear? Mhm. Amanda Lear. Sweet Re- Sweet Revenge. It's a 1978 disco album by the French by the French singer Amanda Lear. <laughs> oh, what the fuck is <laughs> What the fuck am I doing to you, Joe? What's the album called again? It's called Sweet Revenge. Sweet Revenge. She has an album called I Don't Like Disco, and it has a deluxe edition. She sure does. This woman, to give you guys, just just give you some foreground into her um, and how I found out about her, um, was that she was um, had dated David Bowie. Um, she was Salvador Dali's muse and sexual play toy. And she was in a um, ridiculous um, movie um, called Crazy Nights. Crazy Nights uh, was a um, was an Italian explana- um, exploitation film by Joe by Joe D'Amato. Um, and I'll get into the, the into the bad shit that happened with that movie. But yeah, you've never heard of a Mandalier, and now you have. <laughs> This album's not even on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Paul, we have rules. <laughs> um it, it yeah, it is. It is on it is on, on YouTube. <laughs> we went that far, Joe. <laughs> well lucky lucky for me, I actually enjoy disco music, so <clears throat> jokes well. on you, Paul. I well, like the Bee Gees. Well, then you're going to love this album, I think. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you like ABBA? Because I like ABBA, too. Um, I think this out ABBA is the ABBA. Makes me feel so good. <laughs> yep. Yep. And again, I'm so interested in getting into, like, the story behind what was supposed to be the promotion for the, Like, there's a lot of shit. Like, this is when we're going to dig into some really interesting stuff with this one. Um, but... <clears throat> Yes, the little known, the unknown Amanda Lear. This is this is wild. <laughs> You're <laughs> welcome. I'm so obscure. I have to listen to it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. All right, all right, all right. All right, bud. I'm excited. I'm excited. Hey, yes. I am. I am such. I think it's people haven't noticed. I get excited when I have new music to listen to. Like I get a rush, even if it sucks or if it's whatever. I I just like finding something new. So if there's like even one nugget on this album, like it'll totally be worth it to me. Well, I, you enjoy that run. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Have fun on your journey, Joe. Uh, No, I'm sure you will. I'm sure knowing you and your and your eclectic taste, you will find something. And it's not all. It's not like again. It's not the worst album. I don't think we've even come anywhere near the worst album of all time. Um, Minus Mama Mama Tree Laps of Reason was worse than the Kiss one, dude. Uh, Damn Gilmer, Gilmer, you son of a bitch! You're ruining my flow, Gilmer. 
All right, bud. Well, uh, why don't you take us out, Joe? We're out, Joe.